You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome to Inside the Monster with Steve Peralt and Joey Capone. To episode 58 of the official Red Sox podcast, Inside the Monster, presented by Honesty with myself, Steve Peralt, and Joey Capone. The Red Sox went into Baltimore and won a series, won a tough series Ooh. on the road. Joey, how you doing? I'm doing good. Doesn't it really feel like they won a meaningful series, too? Y- yes. Isn't your heart full? Like oh Christmas my God. morning, brother? Dude, how tense was that ninth inning? You're like, uh, are which they going to... The, the, <laughs> the last one? <laughs> Yes. Barnsey comes in. You're on the edge of your seat coming Mm -hmm. off of watching the Patriots just get crushed, basically. Mm -hmm. And and you're like, all right, here we go. Like, it comes down to this. Whole series comes down to this inning right here. And what does Matty Backpacks do? He comes in, and he shuts the door. He shuts the door right in the Orioles' Thanks for coming. Thanks for coming. You lose. We win. Series over. Red Sox win. Let's go. Put it in the books. All right, that'll do it for episode 58. Thanks for coming, everybody. We love you so much. Later, guys. All right. All right, that's good. That should be good to post. All right, perfect. All right, yeah. Do you want to just send that over and I'll... Yeah. Yeah, I'll I'll, I'll edit out all the bad stuff. Okay. Yeah, that's good. Uh, Oh, yeah, we should probably do a whole episode, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. If you want to do... All right, I thought we were doing a one-minute show. Yeah, we can do do the hour. No, let's keep it going. Uh, Since we're recording, we might as well keep going. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. I don't feel the thing. I, I had to remind myself today that they won the series. Like, I after know. the game ended, I was like, that's a series win. Yeah. It's a series cool. W. How about that? I'm not. I'll spoil this. I don't have an MVP. I didn't write one down. I was like, you know what? <laughs> Whatever. I'm not going to look at the stats. Let's just, let's just get that out of the way now. Nate, I know you're listening. This will just make your job easier to get a little head start on this. Uh, series MVP, Rafael Devers. He hit 333 for the series. Grand Slam, five total RBI, had been hitting 195 since the All-Star break, Joey, heading into this Orioles series with three homers and 143 plate appearances for Devers. Yikes. He has a good series. I mean, it's really just the that one swing, right? Lyles was yeah. awful for the Orioles. He's so bad. Oh, He's my so bad. God. But then, he like, every once in a guys, while, he was like, terrible. But every, one of every, like, 12 or 13 pitches, he would just spot his curve. Yeah. Like on the black. I was like, what is that? Out of nowhere. Like, whoever scouted him must have only seen him throw that one pitch. <laughs> yeah, like, this guy's going to be great. Wow. Yeah, just ignore the other 11. And this guy's, like, not bad. But, man, yeah, no, he's booty. Yeah. Talking booty talk, it's Jordan Lyles. Mm-hmm. That's booty talk right there. You should have him on for that segment. And just yeah, exactly. Talk about himself. Just be like, yeah, so what's your life story? Um, Rafael Devers, I got him as series MVP. You want to just hop on board with that one? I love that pick. Yeah, that was actually my pick. Okay, so. cool. So, Nate, mm-hmm. we have a uh, unanimous selection for series MVP. Rafael Devers, a grand slam off of a guy that was throwing slop. And uh, I, it doesn't really – see, here's the thing. At least Lyles is an MLB pitcher. I saw what was it? Who was tweeting this? I don't know what it was. I lose track of the accounts at this point. But Stanton hit a home run off a, a position player, and it was like, oh, Stanton gets off the Schneid with a you know bomb off the foul. <laughs> Stop! Stop it! Yeah. And Bethencourt, by the way, I, I don't know much about him on the Rays. Throws ninety four, and he's like a utility guy. Yeah, remember he was when the uh, A's came to town back whenever that was. Uh, at the time, he was 
uh, like the best hitter on the A's. Yeah, yeah. And we were like, who? Like this is <laughs> this is their best hitter. Yeah, and then moved him to the Rays, and then obviously the Rays just like continue to like make people into something. Yeah, it's somehow. Insane. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what that's about, man. But uh, I guess there's a couple of um, two-way guys kind of coming up through, not the race system, but just coming up in general. I don't know. Shohei's kind of paving the way, dude. Is Bethancourt? Shohei's Shohei not bad. Too? Yeah, Shohei's definitely definitely been pretty good. One thing I respected mm. about Bethancourt uh, mm. is that I flicked over to watch that game a little bit. Last two games of that series were not competitive at all. The Yankees blew out the Rays there to win that series. But um, he was doing... <laughs> He was doing the position player thing, like the Brock Holt thing, of just kind of lobbing him in there. But then he would throw 94. <laughs> so it was like Donaldson yeah. kind of looked <laughs> He lobbed one into Donaldson. He just watched it. It's like, okay, let me get the timing down. And then he threw one 94 <laughs> right past him. He's like, whoa, 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 whoa. What the hell are we doing here? We don't do um, that. We don't do yeah. that. Yeah. Which I – Donaldson's kind of a clown. I don't really like Josh Donaldson. But um, I don't really I mean, blame him. it's hard him. to like somebody you're, like, genuinely afraid of. I'm speaking for you because I I'm am. not. I mean, I'm I'm afraid of anyone that could beat me up. So I guess, but like, that's not the point. I, I just there's been too many things I've heard about him, and then I I don't know if we mentioned it on the podcast, but he wasn't the best with a couple of kids before a game in terms of like not signing out. He was yeah, he was yeah, kind yeah. of a. So I don't know. It was he's not great. It's kind but of anyway, his thing. He's not. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He, he's 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 kind of a jerk. That's kind of his thing. Donaldson's kind of a mm-hmm. jerk, and that's what he does. But I couldn't blame him in that. I'm like, yeah, I'd be looking out like, what what. You just threw like 40 and then 94. What are we doing here? But uh, anyway, the one uh, one stat I saw, Joey, because we're not, I mean, we're not going to do like an in-depth breakdown of this series. We'll mention a couple of things that came up. But uh, a stat that Nesson put up there that they're at Camden Yards last year, you know, when they obviously still had the normal left field, maybe a little further in than, than some parks, 61 homers by, uh-oh, uh-oh. This is the time of the show where Joey goes to throw his cat across the room. Talking about Camden Yards. (laughs) No sense for the moment. I am so sorry, dude. Please go. Uh, This is the best part of the show here. All right, so they put a stat up that Mm -hmm. righties at Camden Yards last year hit 61 homers. Mm -hmm. And that righties this year have only hit 17. And these are oh. opponents. Opponents. Yeah. That is a huge drop-off. And clearly the only reason why the Orioles were in the wild-card race. And a mega shout-out to the Boston Red Sox. Like we mentioned, this is what we're at. This is where we're at. Play spoiler. Mm-hmm. You know? Start knocking some of these teams out. Orioles, you think you're in the race? Not really anymore. Sorry, five not. and a half, six back. I mean, that's that's not going to cut it. We know what that was like way back when, being five and a half back. But yeah, we were both like 100% they're getting it. I, so, I don't even. Me more so, me more so. You more so. I, I still feel pretty confident that they weren't going to make it. And I, I think even, what, three weeks ago, I was probably seeing like one out of, you know, maybe 20% or something like that, 10%. I don't know. But it's at least a little relieving now to just know, all right, now there's 21 games left. Now there's, you know, 20, 19, do the countdown. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I was I was definitely surprised by that stat. The outfield, left field, just yeah. looks stupid. It looks okay, like a yes. It looks like a when you do the video game, you do the you know build your own park thing, and it's like okay, but that would never be in MLB dimensions. No. Like that would never be in a real park. Like sick park, you know, Tommy. Uh, but I don't I don't know where it came with that name, but sick it, sick park, Tom Brady. But that would never be a thing in a real MLB park. Oh no, it is in Camden. Okay. What is the logic? Did they ever say, like, oh, we're doing this because of this? Or they're like, we're just changing things up. We're just seeing it. Well, we hate the wall. I think – I don't know what the exact they stats are. They have a lefty-heavy lineup? Like, I, I think – Santander is one of their best guys. He's a lefty. But I think mm-hmm. that – well, it hurts Mountcastle. That's for sure. Mountcastle, mm-hmm. I fear that dude every time he comes up. He's got a stance of, like, I'm, I'm sneaky about to take it deep. He kind of puts you to sleep a little bit in the box. But he hits bombs. He had a couple that were just shy of being homers – this weekend shout out to kike really good defense this weekend um but i think it's because they had the highest or a top three home run rate to left field of like any park in baseball so mm-hmm. they're figuring okay our team era in the last what five six seasons is 
probably bottom five in the league. Let's at least try to help them out a little bit. And offensively, since you play 81 at that park, you figure it out. You get used to it. Now it becomes a whole home field advantage. Just looking at it, though, and, and Nesson has done a good job this year of incorporating StatCast and showing exactly what it used to be, what it is now. StatCast is so advanced now. Like, mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm insanely impressed with the tracking of the player. StatCast has, like, when they show the replays, of, they had one of Bogey from home to second. It was his fastest home to second all year from about a week ago. And the replay, it's like Bogey's size, and the little guy moves like Bogey. Like, they, like, track the player in his arms and, like, his bones. It's like StatCast went ham this year. I'm not missing that. Shout out to you guys. It it might just look like, oh, it's just generic guy. No, 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 no. It's literally – that's Xander Bogarts. That's exactly what he looks like in, like, I don't know, animated – whatever form that is, digital form. To to achieve that, you usually have to wear, like, a motion capture suit and be, like, on a sound stage. And I don't know how Stat – I don't know what they do – I mean, period. I don't know what they do, but like, <laughs> where's the headquarters for Statcast? I got no clue what they got access to, what cameras they're using, <laughs> what they're putting in their jerseys, or I don't know. Yeah, it looks like they got motion trackers in their sweat glands. I have no idea what they're doing. How are they doing it? It's working. I don't know what they're doing, but, but it's doesn't working. the guy, the little guy that's running, always looks like the guy? Like it'll it'll move like Devers. It'll move like JD. I don't know. I don't know. I think so. If I would love to see a replay, this was maybe a week or so ago. Xander Bogarts had a double, um, and out of the out of the box, I'm thinking, oh, the only way he's getting this is if he's booking it. They show him he's booking it because Xander's been doing that all year. Xander's mm-hmm. been playing his ass off since game one, and now with you know teams out of the race, doesn't matter. He's still you know going 110. percent But Statcast, it's just props to you guys. Because it looks exactly like the player. And it, it's literally identical as they're moving around, as they're sliding. The timeout call that they do to the ump, I'm like, God, I don't know how they're doing it, but props to them. Yeah. Uh, we said we would give this update every time, so we're going to keep doing it. Fangraphs has the Red Sox with a 0.1% chance of making the postseason classics, so you're saying there's a chance. Uh, with our unofficial official elimination number down to three, if the Red Sox go 19-2, and two, they can technically still make the playoffs. So nice. there you go. 19-2 and two the rest of the way gets you to 88 wins, gives you a chance, which would, I mean, that would be truly insane. Can you imagine if they went like 21-0 and 0 from here out? <laughs> if they go 21-0, I will give a listener a new car. I will, I I'll will. give a listener a tattoo and a bad one. That's all but I got. That seems, that seems like if they go like 0-21 or something, because I don't think you want well, a tattoo from Joey or hey, me. Hey, you don't know. I've th- I've given a lot of tattoos. You don't know. I could be really good. I did. I, I think you would have mentioned this by now. Yeah, yeah. I think you. I've given a lot of tattoos. I've given no, a I'm lot saying, to myself. I think you would have mentioned that you're good. Think, See, this is this is a Joey thing. Joey, I respect how true you are to yourself. You're an authentic individual. When you said you've given yourself tattoos, that was not a joke. You actually you have done that. I like twenty of them. Yeah, I got like Doritos on my leg, and I got I practice my. Handwriting on my yeah, I wanted to be a tattoo artist at one point. My mom, for whatever reason, bought me like a tattoo gun. Oof. Was like, here you go, and like you can't just like ask your friends to practice on them. So, kind of went nuts. What I'm saying is, <laughs> if you want one of these, if you want one of these Doritos that my God are so good and cool, all you got to do is hope that these socks go 21 and 0. I'll hook you up. Yeah, what I'm saying is Statcast, great job, man. I mean, it, it just it looks great. Great job, Statcast. But yeah, nineteen and two at worst. There you go for uh, that one guy in the back that still believes. What's his name? Oh, uh, William. 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 There you, there you go, brother. Uh, one thing I want to talk about. This is more a league thing. MLB made some rule changes. I believe it's just these three. Is it one of those where like these are the three big ones, or it's? So it is these three, but there's like a lot of subsections to each rule. Okay, take it away, Joey. This is right up your alley. All right. So I'll just run through one, two, three real quick. Uh, integration of a pitch clock. The bases are going to be a little bigger, and there's going to be restrictions on shifts. Uh, the pitch clock one, I think, is the one that you can really break down the most. Uh, so it's a 15-second pitch clock for when the bases are empty, 20 seconds for when there's runners on, a 30-second clock between batters. Um, the... Pitcher gets two. I forget the word that they used. He can, he can step off the rubber twice per plate appearance. Yeah. Uh, the batter can take one timeout per plate appearance. 
the batter must be in the box and ready to go with at least eight seconds on the clock. Um, this is the one I didn't know. I was racking my brain. I like it's one of those things like you know the answer, but like I had to actually see it written out of like what happens if you violate the pitch clock. They can shoot you. Like, and I figured it's probably getting shot. Yeah. That's so but I had to like I had to yeah. see it in writing. That's why they have the snipers up on top of Fenway. So like yeah. before it was to make sure nothing crazy, no awful event happens at Fenway. Yeah. Now if a pitcher, you know, goes past the pitch clock legally, those guys can shoot the guy on the mound. And and like too many mound visits. If they exceed the number of mound visits, it's yeah. just Yeah. Yeah, just out. Uh oh, this is one that is not getting talked about enough. I can't believe that I didn't see this anywhere other than like inside an article where somebody actually like went through the rules and was like, you know, breaking them down. There's a limit on pickoff attempts. Yeah. So the third unsuccessful pickoff attempt grants the runner the next base. So let me get this right, Joey, Mm -hmm. because I didn't do a super deep dive into the rules. I wish they came out more on a Monday and I think it was Friday that they dropped, Mm -hmm. but if I'm not mistaken, you can make two pickoff attempts per base runner, right? Yes. Is that what they're implementing? And yeah. that's per that base runner's time on the bases, like yes. that round. See, that's so my dad sent me an article that was eye-opening to me where this happened in the minors where a guy tried to pick a runner off of first two times in a row. And the whole bench was like, what are you doing? Because this was one of their speedsters that got on first. Because then he can't pick him off the rest of that base runner's time on the bases. Well, so he, well, you can, but you're if it's unsuccessful at third time, then you're you basically you're you, you, him the base. You, yeah, you're you you don't have any more pickoffs left. And I don't know if this is different mm-hmm. from the minor rule, but what what I read it was essentially it's like okay, now you can't you can't throw over anymore. Guy steals second and then steals third. He steals both because like the pitcher's looking at him and he's like, I know you can't throw this, <laughs> so I'm just gonna have a huge lead. And I'm going to steal the base, and then they sack flyed him in. And it was something where I'm like, oh, right, okay. Because let's be real, the pitchers were pissed. When this oh, when yeah, these sure. rules came out, the pitchers were very upset. Stromboli on the IG story was like triple thumbs down emoji. He didn't just hit it with one. He decided to hit it with three thumbs downs mm-hmm. and saying the game, you know, stick to the game. It's, it's great as it is. Don't change it. Um, and you know he thought about staying at two. But he and went to three. And then he sat there and was like, you know what? That I don't feel like this really conveys what I'm trying to say enough. Yes. Are people getting this? <laughs> if it's two thumbs downs, then clearly it's not going to set the tone. Let Mm-mm. me just I, – I, I don't want to lie to anybody here. I want to make sure – he actually did three, right? No, I'm, I lied. I lied. Are you serious? He did two. He did two thumbs okay, downs. Okay, he, he did go with two. All right. I was going to say three is kind of a lot because you don't even have three hands. You can't even give exactly. three thumbs Exactly. Like three thumbs downs is, is literally impossible. Yeah, are there it would any take people two people have... at least. Let's see. Does anyone have three thumbs? I'm sure, I'm sure people have three thumbs. I'm sure people got like 12 out there. Thumb duplication, which is sometimes also called pre-axial polydactyl. Polydactyl. Or yep. bifid bifid thumb yep. or bifid thumb yep is one of the more common congenital hand congenital congenital hand conditions about one out of every wait no way one out of every thousand babies has three thumbs that's just so not there's true. no way i know a thousand babies there's no way there's no chance oh man this looks you're rough. saying 0.1 of people that's not. There's no way. Has three there's thumbs. No way. So you're I'm saying not. at any given time at a full Fenway Park, <laughs> 37 people have three thumbs there. <laughs> nah, I don't buy that. I'm not buying buy that. that. So let's just no. let's just act like you didn't hear that stat. That was definitely wrong from uh, Google.com. Um, but yeah, I back should, to the rules. I should, yeah, I should clarify. Uh, if you exceed the pitch clock, it's an automatic ball. It's like you, you figured that, but like. I or, just or you can get shot, it. or they can shoot. Or you illegally. can get shot, and also the the batter can violate the pitch clock as well. Like I said, if he's not in the box with eight seconds left, automatic yeah. strike. Moral Those of the story weird, is, but the, yeah. these are good. These are all good. I, I know baseball fans typically like to lean towards, oh, Manfred's an idiot. These are dumb. Speed it up, blah blah blah, and be all upset. I gotta gotta tip my cap here. Having a pitch clock. I remember early when I heard it first. 
uh, years ago. The idea of it, I was like, ah, no, I don't, I don't think you need this. It's not really necessary. Well, I also thought it wasn't going to be fair when there's guys on, where it's like, oh, he knows when he's going to be going to the plate, and he can just time it up and go. Helps that you get a little more time when there is a base runner. I know Rich Hill had floated the idea of, like, can we at least in later inning situations when it's higher pressure get a little more time on the pitch clock, which is fair. But I Quick pitch I, Rich asking for that, of all people. Yeah, and of all people, guy that goes four innings a game asking that is, is interesting. True. That's true. Good, yeah. good start on times? Sunday, though. Good start on Sunday yeah. by, by Rich. But um, also, it's like, and I, I think a big part of that for Hill is like he's the veteran and he's standing up for his guy. It's like, Rich, you're 42 right. years old. You know, it's this isn't really going to impact you that much, man. Um, but no, I, I like it overall. I, I think it's, you know, it's something that the pitchers aren't loving because let's be real, these are very hitter uh, beneficial rules. You got bigger bases, yep. which I actually don't think is hitter beneficial. I think that's more now the ball can get to first quicker, right? Because you can be uh, further. I mean, the base is bigger, so they get the first baseman can technically be stretching further closer to the other infielders when they're throwing it. Yeah, yeah. So that split I, I second think that sometimes. that benefits everybody. Honestly, I think that benefits everybody. Because the, the logic that Major League Baseball put behind it is that it was going to reduce injury. Yeah, less guys stepping on each other. Yeah. Machado yeah. now has even less reason to be cleating guys at first, so he probably hates mm-hmm. these rules. But I really – I wonder where the base – see, now it comes down to where you set the base up. Like, is the front of the base in the same spot it was, but now it's just wider? Or is it, so, like, the same – is it, like, closer to the plate and closer to second base? You know what I mean? Does that – Oh. Is it, like, I very stretching much out to home, stretching out to second? Because then it's equally beneficial. But if it's not, then it's helping the first baseman. That's very interesting. Yeah, I don't. Well, no, no, no. It's still got to be equidistant home because it's still got to be ninety feet. Period from home. Yeah. So th- right? I think that's ninety think feet helps. to the front of the bag, right? Yes, has to be. Yeah. So yeah. Th- this this does. If we're gonna really break it down, this does help mm-hmm. the infield get base runners quicker because yeah. the bag got a little fatter. And now there's more area to step on that you can get closer to the infielders. Anyway, yeah. these, for those the shit- wondering, by the way, it goes from 15 inches to 18 inches. So it's three inches bigger. Yeah, in split every direction. second. Split second yeah. can help you. But, uh, yeah, I, I like the rules a lot. I think the shift is just going to take time to get used to. I mean, you know, infielders weren't pumped about that. I know a lot of them were saying MLBPA, by the way, not the best look that they shot down the last proposal to end the lockout. And now they were shooting th- these rules down, too. It's like... Wait a second. You guys kind of you had the lead. You guys had the lead on the league, and now it's kind of it's kind of going back the other way. So mm-hmm. I wasn't super pumped to see that. I understand that they need to reflect the majority of the players' opinions, and that's what they were doing, and that's their job. But mm-hmm. there needs to be a little more understanding of guys. This is what your fan base wants, and who pays you? It's the fans. Like that's mm-hmm. that's why you're making what you're making is the people that are consuming your product. So. Um, Getting used to the shift is probably not going to be the easiest thing. It helps having a guy like Trevor Story that can cover a lot of ground. Now it makes those guys way more important uh, that have, mm-hmm. you know, the quick twitch and, you know, the second the ball's hit, nowhere to go, uh, good reactions off the bat helps. But I think it's just going to be – it's going to look way more normal. The amount of times that a shift, I'm like, what are we doing? There was one mm-hmm. in the World Series – or not the World Series, whatever. It was in the – I forget what round of the playoffs during COVID. But Machado – made a catch by, like, the right field foul pole. Manny Machado, the mm-hmm. third baseman, was making a catch on the warning track in right field. I'm like, this is getting out of control. So Universe. I'm it glad that restriction. we're— It needed restriction. It needed restriction. It was just stupid. It looked stupid. It was dumb. It didn't make any sense. I hated it. So ob- obviously, mm-hmm. though, pitchers are going to look at that and say, hey, now it's less chance for me to get an out in right field with these lefties up, and in general, but typically for the, the lefties is when you have the mega shift. Mm-hmm. Um, it, so, yeah, the thing it is, hurts like, them. It, yeah, every, every every other sport, unless I'm forgetting one here, maybe basketball, I don't know the rules of that game, Yeah, uh, has some offsides limitation to it in one way or another. You know, there's a, a physical space in which the offense and defense is limited to being in. Yeah. It, so it makes a ton of sense that, like, uh, no, you guys can't put all of your defensive players over there when there's a bigger chance that he's going to hit the ball over there. Like, that's not – you have to be in a set place. So it's not this unfounded thing. You know, it's not completely out of left field. It, it I don't know. It, it makes a lot of sense to me. Uh, one thing that I'm excited for is the idea that people are talking about that maybe infielders will be put in motion before a pitch. 
you know, maybe sending your shortstop or your second baseman in motion towards second base. Interesting. Because they only have to be on their side of the infield when the pitch is released. That, that I didn't think of that. It's that's going to look that's stupid. Cool. That'll be like arena football. Cool. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty cool, though. That's going to, I mean, batters are going to hate that. <laughs> He's going to have guys yeah. running around as you're trying to focus Trevor on Trevor Story a... takes off <laughs> as you're, yeah, come on. That's pretty you're, cool. You're facing like a 97 mile an hour Bayo tailing fastball and you got Story just bopping all over the place in the infield. Yeah, that that is interesting. I mean, that's what I'm excited about is to see, there's always adjustments, right? It's like, okay, here are the rules. Now, how do you tweak it in your favor, uh, you know, and stay within the rules? So that's going to be an interesting part of this. But if you were to rank the three, Joey. What do you got in terms of what you like the most? Your favorite rule change of the three, one, two, three. What do you got? Um, I'll tell you this. Bigger bases is in third. I don't really care about that. I mean, Same. whatever. Let's just sure. throw them I in mean, third. I don't think anyone really cares, cares that much. It's tough between the other two, man. I, I like them both. I know that the pitch clock, I'll probably put pitch clock one because it's going to yeah. have a greater effect on me as a viewer. Yeah. I think, I think pitch clock has to be one. When they put the stat out there, when MLB tweeted that the average minor league nine-inning game was reduced by 26 minutes this past year, like, that is a huge deal. And I've always been of the belief of, like, okay, a game is going to take as long as a game's going to take. I think there's been a little too much whining about that. If you like baseball, you like baseball. Now it's about fine-tuning it for the people that like. To me, this is about fine-tuning it for people that like baseball. Not necessarily like, oh, we're going to bring in a bunch of new viewers. It's like, mm-hmm. maybe you bring in some. But the people that aren't going to watch a game, I don't think are flooding to the game. Oh, my God, pitch clock, I'm going to watch every game now. No, I, they're typically going to keep complaining about something. So mm-hmm. I I like that they're trying to make it quicker. I think that this – I also just think that this encourages action. This now is just like, okay, it benefits the thinking man. That's like, what? not only what am I doing this pitch, what are we doing the next pitch? Like now it's mm-hmm. – you look at the at-bat more as a whole instead of this pitch-by-pitch pitch thing that got so tiring to watch at times. Remember some mm-hmm. of the David Price games. I'm like, God, dude, throw the ball. It would get so tiring with some of these pitchers. And the Red I mean, Sox started – Sawamura too. Oh, Sawamura Saw was, was tough. Dude, wiping the head. You're yeah. rubbing the ball, stepping and off the like, mound. It's like, dude, He what comes are we doing? in when it's 7-1. to one, and It's like, bro, we don't need a 25-minute top of the eighth. Can and we every guy was along? a full count. I'm like, we can't do this anymore. So yeah. pitch count is going to be – or pitch clock, rather, is going to be good. And, you know, everyone that's seen it in the minors has loved it. I really haven't heard any negative feedback. But now it's going to – it's always been a thinking man's game. Whoever's a mm-hmm. step ahead normally uh, gets the benefit and I'm very interested to see how these rule changes encourage uh, thinking outside of the box because you know that's going to be the next thing that happens. I would have the same order. I think it's pitch clock one, shift band two, bigger bases a distant third. Um, but, yeah, now it's, what, you got three weeks left of the shift. I had tweeted this out, but I really think let's mess around, right? Socks are out of it. Let's do some weird shifts, have everybody on the right side of the infield. Imagine everybody on the right side of the infield, including the outfielders. <laughs> If you just everyone, had yeah, Pitcher, seven catcher. dudes yeah. on the right side of the infield, that would actually look hilarious. It's like just make any contact inside the park home run. But it's the I, only uh, only loophole in the shift restrictions. Like if you put all seven guys on one side of the infield, we'll let you do it. Yeah, that's because then it's hilarious. Because then you're obviously risking you know the worst case scenario happening. Yeah. But uh, I think one we should have a. That, oh, what do you got? But yeah, one other thing about uh the the pitch clock and kind of the pushback from from the purists if you will you know the the baseball is going to take as long as it takes you know stop yeah. trying to speed up the game stop trying to change the game people i think those people are coming from a place of, of they love the game right and they don't want it to change and they're like hey i want you to appreciate the same things i appreciate about the game and i love the game but i don't love is how much time there is when that the game is not happening. Exactly. You know what I mean? If anything, I want to compress more game per minute, you know? I cuz and I think that's where like the disconnect is. People are like, "Oh, you're changing the game. We love the game." No, I love the game. That's why I want more of it. Yeah. I love so. the game, so change it for the better. I think that's mm-hmm. a, a lot of I've seen the common tweet out there of like, "Oh, change is good. Crappy change isn't good." If I just if I change into just like living on the street, that's a bad idea, right? That would be a bad idea. Don't do that. Just just for the hell of it, just to do it. That makes no sense. Like, you want to have change that is productive. That makes sense. And mm-hmm. this makes sense. 
It's like speed the game up. Bigger, the bigger basis thing is like, yeah, whatever. I, I really don't. <laughs> if anything, it's cool. Like I have a base from like 10 years ago. So I'm like, oh, okay, cool. Like this is now this is going to be a, maybe a little more valuable because it's like, oh, I remember when the bases were this size. Like who can No one cares. But um, I did think about that when I saw that. I thought like, oh, now Steve has a vintage base. I got a vintage base. I really now. did. Yeah. yeah. So at least, at least I got that going for me. But I think it's time for a moment of silence uh, for the shift. Thank you. I really I, thought I, you were going to say the queen. I really did. <laughs> I thought you were going to take such a hard left and be like, all right, and real quick, Her Majesty. Thank you. Thank you. So we just did two. We just did two. That counts. Jeez, Twitter went off with the queen dying. Ah, yeah, crazy. <laughs> Twitter. Crazy. Twitter. I don't know what I was expecting, but it was not. I was bad. not expecting, you know, <laughs> like Irish people tap dancing in front of the palace. Like I was not ready for that. Sometimes you'll see a reaction where you're like, "Wait, what? <laughs> What's going on right now? This is insane." I just enjoyed the ride. It was it was fun just following along. I'm like this is nuts. But uh, yeah, I would. Uh, one other thing I want to throw in there, and I'm hitting you with this on the fly to not give you a heads up. Mm-hmm. What one rule change would you add? To Major League Baseball. Beyond these, huh? Beyond these? Yeah, beyond these. I don't know if... I'll say this. I don't know... I don't think RoboUmps is at the top of my list. Yeah. I'm not quite ready. I'm not anti. I'm just not, like, pushing for it. You know, if it happens, it happens. And, like, I'd probably be in favor of it when it happens. But I'm not, like... It's not at the top of my list. Mm. Um, Man, well, I'll tell you... the. It seems like most rule changes that come into effect now are all about speeding the game up. So it's kind of hard to think of a rule that's not aimed at that. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, you would think. But I'm just saying just anything. Does anything come to mind? Any? You you hit me first. Maybe I'll okay. bounce off something you got. I, I got one that's kind of stupid and that other people would probably have as well. But I think it would be nuts if in extra innings it was just a home run derby. But similar to what they're doing now with whoever was up last. So it's like, mm-hmm. and you can't, no pinch hit and none of that. So mm-hmm. it's wherever you let off, left off in the lineup, that next guy is up, and you get one swing. If you hit a homer, the home team now has a chance to hit a homer with whoever was up last for them. I think it would speed the game up a lot more at the end of, you know, the extra inning games. It would speed that up. I understand the second base rule, and this rule would never actually happen. But in La La Land, I would think a home run derby to end a game would be awesome. And it's not completely unprecedented because they put that into effect for the All-Star game. So it's like... Yeah. MLB mm-hmm. has done that for a game that now doesn't matter anymore, but that would be kind of nuts if that was and if that was the case. And that's essentially how hockey and soccer both decide tie games as yeah. well. If, you know, a shootout is essentially the same thing. Yeah. So um, it is kind of weird because how would you do that though? Would you have like your own pitching coach come out or like your own team? True. See now, now mm-hmm. it would be now it, then it would come down to like who who's pitching, right? Yeah. Well, what let's say like. The other team gets to like put out a pitcher, right? That they pull out of like their bullpen. Yeah. Right. And they have to pitch to them like, you know, as competitively as they want to. And if the guy gets like three strikes, he's out. Right. But if there's like four balls, he gets like on base. And if it's not a home run, this sounds like regular extra he innings. He <laughs> run to the bases. And as long as he's there without getting tagged or forced out, he can stay on base. This is too much. I think for I'm me. onto something. I, I, th- I think the easy answer is just have your BP guy pitch to you, like yeah. just that, because the point is to hit the home run. It's not to like you know just strike a bunch of guys out. The point is to like speed it up and have it be entertaining. Mm-hmm. No, and, I was explaining baseball. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I know. Yeah. yeah so yeah, and then, yeah, but yeah. then if you walk, you get first. Yeah. No, if mm-hmm. if you actually just do the home run derby, I think people would love that, and it would just you'd have the guys lined up with the bats. You know, it would be another reason for people to stick around too. If it's like a you know. A school night, it's like, hey, but mom, we might have a home run derby here in like 10 minutes, so kind of can't mm-hmm. go home. And that's how it goes. Typically, kids decide, uh, you know, how things go right. in families. So, yeah. Kids run the household usually. Typically. Um, yeah. I will say, dude, uh, you actually did spark something in my head. I actually made a TikTok about this when it was the talk of the town during the lockout, during negotiations. There's talk of postseason ghost wins. And people being up in arms about that yeah. idea. I loved that idea. I don't think there's enough on the line. 
in 162 games. I would agree. I I want you know right now with the current um, format, the third ranked division winner still has to play a wild card team. Yeah, I with, mean they they're still hosting the series. I, I hear what you're saying. It's incentive for the top two seeds. But that's yeah. The only incentive for 162 games at the end of the day is home field advantage. I think you can give more than that. Make it a best two out of three series. But game one is a ghost win for the division winner. I wouldn't be stunned if it happens. I really wouldn't be stunned because that was floated, and I'm sure in the you know negotiations there were players that were like, eh, I don't want to limp into the playoffs and then already be down <laughs> one nothing. Like it's hard enough. Mm-hmm. Not maybe not limp it. Like I I don't I wouldn't want these teams and these players probably don't want to like do everything in their power to get that last wild card spot, and then they're still trailing in the new playoff round that they haven't even played a game in yet. That kind of sucks. Well, but, then, but that's your incentive to win more during the season. No, I know, season. I know, but it's certain things. It's like, ah, eh, that doesn't feel fair or even close to fair, considering that you're still a playoff team. But they can yeah. sit. They've they've floated it, so it's not like it's a crazy idea. They've definitely floated it. But uh, that's enough on rules. That's enough on rules. We got plenty more to talk about coming up next on episode 58 of Inside the Monster. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Hey, I'm Brett Podolsky, co-founder of The Farmer's Dog. We make fresh food for dogs. We started the company when we saw what a huge difference it made in my own dog, Jada, when she stopped eating ultra-processed kibble and started eating fresh, whole food. The Farmer's Dog food isn't fancy. It's just real food delivered to your door in pre-portioned packs. It's better for them and easier for you. Get 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. That's thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. Welcome back to episode 58 of Inside the Monster. I don't even think I'm going to look at the list. I'm not even going to look at the list, Joey, because it's a Jonathan Papelbon episode. It's Pap. It's the Pap episode. Milsey, Elsie, Pap. It's also Jose Iglesias and Fernando Abad. We'll stick with Pap. We'll stick with Pap. How about Pap? Huh? No disrespect to Iglesias. I liked Iglesias. Especially last year. He was like a bonus hitting and fielding coach. But uh, one thing that I think stats floated, saw some other people tweeting about, and I fully agree, is to give Whitlock and Schreiber the rest of the year off. I am fully down for that. It's, I mean, the bullpens are already terrible. Can you remember a Red Sox bullpen? that was this bad at preventing inherited runners to score? No. Can Let me tell you, I think most people don't remember one either. I tweeted something out the other day. I'm like, it, I said, it would be so sick if this game mattered. It was during game two of this past series when the yeah. Sox 17 won to uh, convincingly. Four. Yeah. And somebody replied and said, I thought I read this wrong and thought you said, I'd be so sick. I thought you were breaking to me that the bullpen had just blown the game. This fan read my tweet and thought he missed the bullpen give up 13 runs. <laughs> A little hard to do. That's some low expectations. <laughs> That's pretty bad. Uh, I mean, you, you go down the list here of the guys that have come out of the bullpen this year. Austin Davis, I know he had a little stretch where he was good. 5-4-5 ERA, he is now gone. Where is he? Somebody picked him up. I, I think it was who was it? I forget. They were playing in New York the other the other day. I was like, oh, Austin Davis is warming up. Uh, Brazier has been mm-hmm. just terrible as an understatement. Deekman was a pain in the ass. Strom overall solid. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think he's really been the problem. Sawamura, the numbers are a little deceiving, and he's obviously not here anymore. I mean, when you look at the opening day bullpen, who's even still here? The list is very short, and the guys that you've relied on all year with Whitlock and Schreiber understandably are out of gas. It's not surprising that the only two reliable relievers you have 
got nothing left in the tank. You're out of the race. Does not make much of any sense to have them out there potentially hurt themselves and uh, make it a longer offseason. I would start their offseason now and prepare for 2023. I, I think Maz had mentioned it, like, oh, what if Whitlock's in the rotation? No. No. Bad. Have him in the bullpen. Of course, he's stumbled a little bit in the last week or so. Whitlock is one of the best weapons in any bullpen in baseball. You got to start building around those guys out there. Build around Schreiber and Whitlock, who you have control over, and just completely rework the pen. Even when Barnes comes in, I got no faith. I've been low on Barnes for a while. Um, But, I mean, he he closed the door on Sunday. One, two, three. Props to him. But the amount of times that guys get on base when he's out there is way too too high, especially if he's going to be like a a seventh-inning guy or, you know, a close game guy. You can't have this many guys getting on base when you're pitching. No. He's a guy that I think is easy to root for, though. Like Barnsey, want the best for Barnsey. Um, you think this is a good time to? Uh, I got some numbies in regards to what the what the pitching for this team has been like, Steve. Do you think it's a good time? You got something? You want to elaborate a little bit more here? Uh, just really quick on Barnes here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think he's got like a two three ERA since coming back. But I'm looking at his outings here, and it's like hit, run, two walks, hit, hit. Walk, walk, two hits, walk. This is like outing by outing here. This guy's the and for a guy that pitches one inning every time, just way too many hits, way too many walks. It's too many guys get on base when he's he's out there. It's been thirteen, what, fourteen and two thirds innings since he came back. Fifteen hits, six walks. Just too many guys. You can't have more more hits than innings pitched as a reliever. So um yeah, Barnes kind of drives me nuts, but hey, to his credit, he's at least making himself look a little better heading into 2023. But yeah, you got to – it was – what was the situation? Well, Bayo, who's obviously got filthy stuff and is now becoming somebody that you can't wait to watch when he's pitching, will just randomly have walk issues. And when it goes with him fast with Bayo, I think – and he's a rookie. I get it. Like the confidence is obviously going to be – Great one inning, and you kind of lose it the next. And they're mentioning on the broadcast, like, oh, well, when he's going from the stretch, you know, it's it's kind of messing with him. You're a MLB starter. You're going to be going from the stretch. There's going to be times that you walk the guy or plunk the guy or gave up a single, double, whatever. You're going to be going from the stretch. It shouldn't just completely throw him off and now lead to him not being able to throw a strike. Because actual runs that he's given up on the mound in his last, like, six outings is, like, four but I think it's double that in terms of earned runs because he'll leave the bullpen with these brutal situations that, and these are guys that you don't expect to do anything where like Caleb Ort, like obviously he's going to give those runs up. He was throwing the ball all over the place, then getting behind in counts, had to groove a couple Red Sox stats had a very funny tweet. I I don't know if you saw this, but I I gotta, I gotta find it. I know you were about to mention something. So definitely have at it. I I gotta find this. The way they use Ort, is so funny. It's hilarious. <laughs> it's like they just hang them out to dry, dude. I'm sorry, but it's like they're like, sorry, man, you're going to have to wear this one, too. <laughs> you're going to have to do sorry, it. Sorry, bud. I mean, he's, jam, but he's also no had out. chances, right? Like, it's it, you can also look Some. at that the other way, where it's like, hey, prove that you have any worth on this team. I know Pete, yeah. Abe, Pete Abe had a tweet uh, mm-hmm. saying, Alex Cora on why he used rookie Caleb Ort in the sixth inning with a 2 nothing lead. You know where we're at. These kids, they need to learn and show us what they have. We didn't throw too many strikes in that inning. The reply by Red Sox stats. Hopefully he shows something before his 31st birthday in a few months. <laughs> in these kids. Something. Yeah, yeah. These kids Not that again, I mean, Cora's Cora's gotta just like, you know, mm-hmm. take the punches the next month. Like he's mm-hmm. all these pressers are gonna be a pain in the ass for him. They're all gonna suck. Sure, sure. And it's like that's part of what happens when you're out like this, when you're out of the race. It is funny though, and I, I know what he means. He, he's not saying that Caleb Ort's a kid. He mean you know, he means they want to know what they have, and some of them are obviously younger than others. But that reply was hilarious. Where it's like before this dude turns, before this kid turns thirty-one, we're gonna have to find out what he has. I'm like, I think I know what he has, and it's not much. So there's that. God bless him. Yeah. God bless Caleb Ort. Uh, so. We can probably both agree here, Steve. Not that the season's over and we're looking totally backwards, but we kind of 
are looking backwards because the season's kind of over. Yeah. The bullpen's issue number one, without a doubt, right? Uh, yes. I, I think it's – I don't know. The rotation's going to be a big question mark. But, yeah, okay. bullpen – with how much it's, the bullpen matters in this day's baseball, yes. Perfect transition, though, because it's, it's pitching in general. It's it's the bullpen, but it's also the rotation. I wanted to run through some numbies. Uh, team rankings, where the Red Sox rank among Major League Baseball teams in some offensive categories and then some pitching categories. All right. Um, I would ask you to guess on these, but there's too many of them, so I'm just going to fly through them here, Steve. Yeah. Uh, offensively, hits per game, the Red Sox rank second. Doubles per game, they're first. A lot of doubles uh, batting average, team. they are fourth overall. On base percentage, they're sixth. Slugging percentage, they are eighth. Uh, runs per game, they are eighth. And BABIP, batting average on balls in play, they are first. Uh, and then <laughs> sometimes they throw the ball. Uh, and among pitchers, ERA, they are 25th. Oof. Whip. 22nd strikeouts per nine 19th hits per nine 23rd home runs per nine 19th and walks per nine also 19th um two stats that i did leave out of the offensive categories though that are totally worth mentioning uh home runs they rank 20th and this one i quadruple checked it left on base per game 30th sounds about right the, yeah. the Red Sox love LOBs. They are big lob love guys. They love lobs. Um, the doubles thing has been interesting because in the American League, they got three guys in the top five in doubles. JD's got 38. He's only two off the AL lead, which is just truly stunning. Uh, Xander Bogart's 37. Rafael Devers, 37. And just a little further behind him, Alex Verdugo, 35. The Red Sox have four guys with 35 or more doubles. They love doubles, too. They're like 10 games out of the last playoff spot. It's crazy the amount of times that we've watched games over the course of the year and realized, like, oh, it would have only been if you just had a hit here. Oh, if you just had that there. Mm -hmm. But then that's what happens over 162. You add those all up. And I can't think of a sport that is more reflective of what your team is than baseball. Like, I... You don't. You can't really sneak into the playoffs. You gotta. And I know some would say the Red Sox did that last year, but they still won what ninety games, like over ninety. So it's you still at a one sixty two. You're gonna have to be in the nineties typically to make the playoffs, and you can't you don't just accidentally like, win ninety. You don't accidentally win ninety games. What I'm trying to say, yeah. So, uh, but this bullpen's been a, a colossal pain in the ass. Like, just the the, the pain it has brought fans. This Sox bullpen has made me want to throw every item in my apartment at the TV this year, Joey. Every item. Every, I've looked around. Every? I'm like, this lamp's going. A mm-hmm. water bottle definitely going. I think I have thrown a water bottle at the TV this year. It was empty. I was going to say, your TV budget is insane. I remember you telling me you're, yeah. getting, you're getting like three or four a week. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And I get the big ones, too. I get like an 80-inch TV. So, mm-hmm. yeah, Amazon's just like... <laughs> Keep us keep us in business. Thank God we have Steve yeah. buying TVs because no one else is buying Amazon products. So <laughs> it's like that, uh, like the delivery, like the what's it called? Delivery uh, one guy. Of those grocery things where you get just like recurring, like hey, just bring me milk yeah, every Peapod. Monday. <laughs> Peapod, Peapod. He's got a TV pod. Why You're is like, it Peapod? Who came up? With um. That? Uh, so peas coming to pod. I guess yeah. Oh, one thing I, I wanted know. to mention about the bullpen, yep. Ian Brown. MLB.com Red Sox writer that I, I greatly respect had a tweet that just so perfectly summed up the Red Sox bullpen. So I'm going to read it, Joey. I'm going to read it, it on this program. Hit it. The sense of inevitability, big word for me, that a slight lead won't be held in the mid innings unless the Red Sox go to one or two specific relievers is like nothing I've seen in my 21 years covering this team. He's it's so right. So right. so right. It's so right. It's. Socks will be up by a couple. Starters had a good outing. It doesn't mm. matter because they're going to blow it. Mm. And, I, again, that's why even after that Little League game, that's why we couldn't really get upset at Schreiber. It's like this guy has been used so much in high-leverage situations, which to me count as like two outings. 
Like if you're if you come in to a situation the eighth inning, you're up by one. There's one out and the bases are loaded, and you get out of that and still have the lead. That was like two outings. <laughs> that wasn't sure. That wasn't just two outs. That was two outings to me. So I would look at it that way for next season. Of like you obviously can't rely on these guys that much. These guys being just Whitlock and Shriver. I don't really want to see any of the other ones. And who knows with backpacks? Question mark. But um, I thought that tweet summed it up perfectly. Just the 100%. sense of inevitability that a slight lead is absolutely going to get blown if it's not one of those two guys. And let's be real. Who even cares? Mm-hmm. Like, when Schreiber and Whitlock get one to two innings, there's still other innings. It's not like these starters are going seven, and then Schreiber and Whitlock close the door. You haven't had the luxury of that. And Tanner Houck's been gone for – I forgot about Tanner. I keep forgetting about Tanner Houck. He's been no. – you're, you know, thrown in there, closer, closer – is is done and and you know he got surgery and you know hopefully he'll be ready for next year it sounds like he will but um yeah that's just been inevitability is such a perfect word to use there that mm-hmm. the lead's going to be blown because even if they pitch even in games they pitch mm-hmm. doesn't really matter because you still have the seventh eighth and ninth normally after that it's weird how long it took me to realize that you know that they're the how short the trust list is yeah because <laughs> i don't know i just i just didn't put it together that every time a reliever was coming in in a high leverage situation, I was like, "Oh, this guy, oh, this guy, <laughs> oh, this guy." And like, I saw that Ian Brown tweet, and I was like, "Wait, yeah, I guess there are only two guys <laughs> that I, yeah, hmm. yeah, that's weird." But and there are some guys like Austin Davis. I never, I never gave up on. I was always like, my brain always stuck him in he's good land. I was like, "Oh no, he's he's good." Uh, even after his, his really good change. stretch bottom some time. Let's be real. That bottom like a oh, month yeah. in our brains, at least mm. Strom, I still think of as like my guy. So I, I probably put a little more stock in him than maybe I should. Uh, but yeah, it's a short list brother. And inevitability is just so right. Like you, you socks are up three, two. Oh, that's sixth. a loss. Yeah. Socks, so, uh, I mean, a bunch of situations, right? Socks up like 5-3 in the seventh. That's a loss. 4-1 uh, in the third. Get ready for pain. That's a loss. Like, there's, there's so many scenarios of leads that winning teams win in those scenarios. And the Socks mm-hmm. are not a winning team. They're going to have to really battle to avoid a losing season. That's where we're at. And that's another thing to follow if you're trying to grasp at anything the rest of the way here. With the biggest one, Joey. Oh, you have mm-hmm. a point. Go. Yeah, yeah. I think it bleeds into other aspects of the game, dude, because we just went through the numbers that show, like, this team is solid offensively. This team has good bats. Uh, But when you either blow a lead or, you know, let the game open up in the the middle innings, um, it's tough to generate something of a comeback, you know? It's tough to find that. I don't have the updated numbers, but I think it was last week. Um, the Sox were three and forty-nine in games that they were trailing in the seventh and eighth. That's bad. So going into the ninth, it was like, you know, granted those numbers are you know whatever. Like a couple they could of those wins against the 10. Yankees, which is stunning. That <laughs> that's the part that blows your mind. Like a couple of walk-offs against the Yankees when they're trailing late. But no, it's it's a good point. I mean, it's. You want to at least believe, you know, when they're like, like they're, you know, they're playing like chipping up the Boston and doing the montage and everything. You want to at least believe as a fan, like, oh, they, they might do it. They might actually do it. But with this mm-hmm. team, you haven't really been able to have that. One thing that we are, you know, monitoring very closely, Joey, and yeah. that I, I think matters. Some are probably not as huge a fan as this, but I, I love a batting title race. And Xander Bogarts is in just that. Now, I crunched some numbers, and I realized that he already has – all the plate appearances he needs for an entire season to qualify for a batting title. So I would use that to his advantage if I'm Xander. I would definitely look at that as, okay, maybe a couple days off the feet, you know, let's let's cruise to the finish line here. I'm not against that. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, at face value, I definitely care too much about Bogey winning the batting title, but it's legit all we have the rest of the way. Like, that's one of very few things that you can still focus on. The Bayo starts will matter too. And I, I think in, in the 320s is probably going to do it. The Red Sox have 21 games left. I say Bogey should play like 16 of those. I'd give him five of those off, include some off days. Don't have to force it. Obviously, he's going into a situation where he's going to opt out. You want to at least put him in a an easy little cruising situation the rest of the way. 
If he plays in 16 of the final 21 games, that gives him 60 to 70 at-bats left this season. Around there. Ballpark. Let's call it 70 because he'll probably end up playing in more than 16 games because he's Xander Bogarts and he wants to play in a ton of games. I get it. Let's 70 at-bats the rest of the way for Bogey. That would be 563 at-bats on the season. And here's how these A-Bs could go and what the average would end up at the end of the year. If he's 22 for 70 the rest of the way, he finishes the year hitting 318. 22 more hits will get him at 318, which is one point below where he is right now at 319. Feels like that might do it. Feels like that might be good enough to win it. If he's 25 for 70 the rest of the way, he finishes the year 323. That's probably the one to target. 25 more hits is probably the sweet spot of like, yeah, he's going to get it. 323 with this field, likely going to get it. If he goes 30 for 70, Joey, the rest of the way, Mm -hmm. Bogey finishes the year hitting 332. Wow. Doesn't that number feel like that's a batting title number, 332? Oh, yeah. Yeah. If if anything, 319 doesn't feel like one. It doesn't. Something about 322 or 323, like – if he goes 25 for 70 the rest of the way, 323 feels more batting title-ish, way more batting title-ish than 319. I think it's 320 is the is the line. That is the line. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I am curious of the recent AL batting title winners. Jose Abreu got it at 309 last year. Wow. That's crazy. 309, Yuli Gurriel, 319 two years ago, two seasons ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, yeah, well, last year, I mean, sticky stuff beginning of the year and there was like 11 no hitters pitchers were kind of dominating yeah the first like month and a half was kind of a throwaway for hitters it was the the lowest averages ever so the adjustment period and then really seeing averages go up a little more in the the summer months was to be expected and the COVID year dj lemayu hit 364 to get the batting title that's a little crazy tim anderson 2019 hit 335 mookie betts i don't know if you guys remember him used to play for the Sox, and he is the last red Sox player to get the batting title at 346 in 2018, Altuve hit 346 the year before in 2017. So, typically, if you're going to win the AL batting title the last 10 years, you got to hit in the 330s or 340s. Like, that's kind of where you got to be. This year, the 320s will do it. And if Bogey's going to be in the 320s, he's got to have like 25 more hits the rest of the way. Feels like he can do that. 21 games, 25 hits. That doesn't seem like you're asking for too much. You know what would be the most non bogey thing to do ever? Is just sit the rest of the year. <laughs> and hope he's 319 like, no, I does it. I have enough plate appearances <laughs> to qualify for the batting title. Yeah. So if I I'm cashing in my chips, I think 319 is going to do it. Yeah, you need 502 plate appearances, and he has passed that. So at the rankings as they stand right now for the batting title, Bogey's at first at 319, uh, Luisa Rise second 315, Jose Abreu is making a push 310, and Aaron Judge still has a shot at the triple uh, triple crown. I'm uh, really Smooth saying that. Triple crown. You good? Triple crown. Mm-hmm. He has a chance. He's hitting 307 right now. So 12 points off. 12 points, can you can get that in a couple of days. Guy slumps, you're, you go four for five, three for five. You're right at the same number. So, um, yeah, I'd say DH him when you can. A couple more, you know, days off the feet in the field. And I'm I'm all, all aboard the bogey batting title train. I want this to happen really bad in... Either, either way, it's a big year for him. Either way, it's a, uh, hey, thought this was it, but then I signed a deal and we're all excited. Or it's the last year oof, of Bogey on the team, which I don't even like saying that. Say but, that, um, Steve. No, no yeah. Thanks. There's still other things to root for, man. I know a couple minutes ago you said that's all we got right now. We're yeah, going else? into a series against the Yankees. I know. You can beat those Yanks. Clear the path for the Rays. They didn't do themselves too many favors in the second two games of this series. <sighs> Not great. Their series, but... Not great. Yeah, no. Would have been so great if it got down to what would have been two and a half? Uh, could have been one and a half if they swept. Oh, my goodness. Instead, it's five and a half. So, they're trying. Rays are trying. But uh, we got closing thoughts coming up here, Joey, on episode 58 of Inside the Monster. Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story. And one of the best 
stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based championship team. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Alrighty, we are back. Episode 58, Inside the Monster. Closing thoughts time. I wanted to use this time to do a quick segment here, Joey. Yep. Of which player on this Red Sox team do you think would be best suited to play for the Patriots? Oh, I got the answer. I got the answer. You go first because I have the right answer. Okay. I think I have the right answer. Do we have the same person? This would be interesting if we have the same person here. I doubt we have the same person because I don't think you're going to agree with me. Okay, good. I would say Trevor Story as a receiver on the Patriots. Get a bunch of slant. Dude, slants for days. Mac and Trevor, just boom, easy money, quick off the line. Get him, go. He, I feel like he'd be a big yards after the catch guy. Story would be a big yacker. I would love to see that. And just more options offensively would help. Jacoby Myers is really good today, but they're going to need a lot more than that. Um, you know, the tight ends were all right. Didn't really get much from Hunter Henry. Obviously, the Kendrick Bourne thing was very weird, and the fact he didn't get a snap till later in the game was bizarre. But Trevor Story in this Belichick system as a receiver on the Patriots – I think it would work, and I need to see it happen. <laughs> the second the season ends, Trevor Story to the Patriots. It's happening. Who you got? Okay, that's not a bad answer. Okay, well, I thought I was going to blow you out of the water, but I don't think that's going to happen. Who you got? Um, <clears throat> Tommy Pham. Oh, also nice. as a receiver. A super athletic guy. Chases down, uh, you know, good, I don't know, catches the ball. Solid hands. Solid hands. He's got solid Much hands like, out there. Yeah, he's got solid hands. Um he also just has some football tenacity to him. Mm. You know, he's got that that grip, if you will, uh, that you usually see more in a football player than you would in a baseball player. He's got something. There's, I mean, he's angry. He's an angry man. Yes. I, I think, yeah. hey, and he knows all about football. We know that. That's true. Instead of fantasy football, he could just be playing football. He could be playing the real thing. Maybe that'd be good for him, man. Get it, get it out a little bit, you know. Yeah, it's like forget Actually, having no, this like fake lineup. Just be part of like a real roster. I think that would work. He looks like a football yeah. player. Tommy Pham's ripped. Yeah, yeah. That's kind of that kind of influenced it too. He's got a football face going on. That was a good answer, Joey. I think we both had good yeah, answers. Uh, that was that. that was a good like family feud uh, section there. Good answer. Good answer. Good answer. What a pain in the ass that game was, huh? That opener football for the Football sucks. Football's the worst. <laughs> I hate football. I hate fantasy football. I hate betting on football. It's rigged. It's fake. It's all... You never win. You never win. You can try your hardest. You're not going to win. Nothing matters, dude. It's all fake. I'm so upset. I did so horribly on the first Sunday of the football season. I'm over it. I'm over it instantly. All right. Back to baseball. 
And yep. we got a fun series coming up from Fenway, a classic two-gamer, which I definitely love. Joey and I will be previewing the Red Sox-Yankee series Aaron Judge coming to town on Tuesday. That is the next we hear from us. But for now, for Joey Capone, I am Steve Peralta. Go Sox. Inside the Monster is a production of Odyssey in partnership with the Boston Red Sox. The show is produced by me, Steve Peralt. Our executive producer is Lena Glazer. Mixing and video editing by Joey Capone. Special thanks to the Red Sox and Major League Baseball for their contributions to the production of this podcast. Mm-hmm.